Feels good to be back. Take a seat at the table with us. Welcome back to the Sports Roundtable Podcast. Man, it's been a month. Just about. Yeah, so. Something like that. (laughs) Feels great to be back, guys, to look at y'all beautiful faces, you know. Shout out y'all and shout out the things y'all have been doing this uh, semester. And to kind of start off with y'all, just if you want to start off, Thomas, just what's been going on? What's been the experience of working with basketball? And you even mentioned you traveled, so I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, Anthony, you touched on it. Um, doing men's basketball for Michigan State, the state news this this semester so far, and it's been it's been a great experience. I mean, I I grew up watching Michigan State basketball. I grew up idolizing some of those players, going to the Breslin Center. So just being able to immerse myself in that and see it from that vantage point has really been it's. I would say it's it's been a treat. It's, mm-hmm. been, a, it's been a privilege. I'm honored to to be able to do it. At, at, at such a high level at this point in my in my young career. So, uh, I mean, I said it when we announced it on this podcast, but couldn't thank the state news enough, my editors, everybody involved with that decision. Um, and like you said, I, I, I did travel, went out to Chicago for the Champions Classic, Michigan State mm-hmm. versus Duke. Okay. My number one takeaway, man, that food is good. <laughs> <laughs> the United Center hooked us up. They got us like a... Like a four course meal. No way. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty special. Nah, all jokes aside, it was it was just awesome being able to step foot on an NBA court as as a reporter and mm-hmm. being able to, you know, get that under my belt. Uh, someday I'm I'm sure I'll do an NBA game, but for the time being, at Michigan State versus Duke at the United Center isn't too bad. I'm saying, yeah, not, not at all. And uh, yeah, my my partner and I, Bella, we had a really good time just traveling up there and back together just experiencing Chicago. It, it was only for a day. I mean, me and her kept kept telling each other we wish we could have stayed there for a little bit longer, but it was it was a second to none experience for, for a guy like me who loves basketball and loves Michigan State. Yeah, I can imagine that was such a dope experience, and shout out Bella to Sports Roundtable OG. Probably, probably I wouldn't be here without her, so shout out her as well, and you mentioned, because I also have a uh, second job at the Breslin Center. You know, if you see me in my uh, alternative work uh, mode oh, at have. the Breslin. I have. And Thomas had, uh, saw me there. And you mentioned you had a, a bit of opinions of the season so far in MSU basketball, if you want to get into it a little bit. I mean, yeah. And, you know, Thomas, the head coach, will be the first person to tell you that uh, the veterans have to have to step it up. I mean, mm. you look at what made, that, what made this team so great at the end of last year, you know, beating that – uh, Marquette, who was a two seed, uh, really they gained a lot of traction at the end of the year. Part of in part because of their shooting. I mean, Joey Hauser was, I think, more of a component to that team than people realized. And now they're starting to realize because of the, of the lack of shooting. But guys like AJ Hogard, Jay Nakins, uh, even Malik Hall at the end of last year, really sort of were consistent in their roles. Mm-hmm. And we just haven't seen that this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, AJ Hogard was averaging. 13 points a game and six assists per game last year. Now he's under 10 points and four assists. Wow. And so you talk about that, you know, those those numbers dropping from your junior year to your senior year as a point guard under Tom Izzo, you know, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, similarly with Akins, there's no doubt that the talent's there. You know, he's probably at this point the most NBA-type player that Michigan State has outside of some of the freshmen, because I do think that those guys, some of those guys will be, you know, maybe even lottery picks someday. Mm-hmm. But I think right as, as things stand right now, Jay Nakins is that guy to, I guess, make that next step professionally. Okay. 
like I said, where things stand. But he's also struggled this year. I mean, he hasn't uh, been as consistent with his shot, which is just, you know, it's almost just by chance. Like, slumps happen. They happen all the time. They happen to the best shooters. And, I mean, you could argue that the only way to get, to get out of a slump is just shoot your way out of it. Yeah. And Izzo himself says all the time that, you know, it's it's easy to be a good defender. It's easy to be a good rebounder when you're making shots. But when you're not making shots and you're a shooter, how does that affect the rest of your game? And mm-hmm. to his credit, Akins, I do think that he has shown a lot, you know, even though he has been knocking down his shots. Uh, he's shown a lot in the rebounding game. He's honestly an absolute force on the boards for somebody who's 6'3". And he just shows effort all the time. He's a great defender, mm-hmm. but there's no doubt that both his rebounding and defending would see an improvement once he starts making some making some shots. Yeah, and Deshaun, before you get into your perspective of what's been going on for the past like month uh, or so, do you have any opinion about what Thomas addressed? Yeah, I mean, uh, first I just you know I can just thank Thomas. You know, he's obviously talked about being on the men's basketball beat. He's invited me to come out a couple of different times and do a couple of different games with him. And it's been a great experience, and I've definitely seen all the same things, and I would agree with you on a lot of different aspects there, you know. Um, I totally agree with you on your point on Jaden Akins, and I do hope that, like, one thing that I just continue to see out there, like, you mentioned him struggling. Sometimes it just seems like it can be an energy thing. Like, it just comes and goes, and you hope right. that you continue to see him be a veteran, not only on the court, you know, doing the, the things, possessing his skills as a veteran, but also his, um, it, not just emotion, but the way he leads the team and gets the energy set the right way. So you definitely hope to see an improvement there, and just... Another thing that, like, you know, like that I've been able to see, um, just, you know, with obviously the last couple games, the defense has been one thing that they've been able to not exactly pry themselves on, but it's been something there when they've found some struggles offensively. Uh, you know, they've they've been able to overcome a, d- a couple different teams and just show some really good outputs on defense. You know, like we've definitely seen a step up just, just over the progress of the year in both uh, uh, Carson Cooper and, and Modest Sosogo in their uh, inside defense. So you've definitely seen up there. With the um, playing more of some of the younger guys like Trey and Booker, you get to start seeing a little bit of the perimeter defense and what it could be. You know, there's still things to work out there, but, you know, you just get an experiment, and that's a whole other thing we've been able to experiment too, or see is the experiment of the lineup so far this year. So, uh, Thomas, you mentioned, I mean, the veteran players are going to have to step up, and, you know, Izzo has mentioned that multiple times in, in all of his press conferences, and he's also mentioned that we're not going to be able to save the day with any of these young guys right now, but they're going to continue to progress where they can and add in where they can where the veterans can't if that continues to be a problem for the team this year. So it's still very early, you know, and obviously um, with how things have played so far, it hasn't exactly been to the expectations of everybody, but, you know, you can't jump ship now. You know, we're here, and we're going to figure out what's going on for the rest of the season. So, I would honestly say that, you know, I think they do at this point in time pride themselves on their defense. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's the identity of the team. Last night, you know, albeit it's Georgia State, it's yeah. a team that's now 0-7. They yeah. haven't won a game. Um I mean, they scored 11 points in the first half. I think shot 18% from the field in the first half. So, I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You hold a team to 11 points, you're doing something right. Yeah, 100%. And one thing I did want to point out is how impressed I've been with Tyson Walker. Uh, He's battled some some things. Sickness, you know, he was sick all week leading up to the Arizona game. And in in, in that Arizona game, he fell on his hip in the second half and didn't score in the past seven minutes, last seven minutes of the game. So that was kind of a an outlier to his his spectacular season so far. I mean, he's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, I I've said this to multiple people, but you know, he's I think this season he's Cassius Winston esque. He makes the kind of plays that Cassius Winston made. He, you know, maybe doesn't see the floor as well, not as much of a floor general as Cassius was, but 
when it comes to scoring the basketball, he can get a shot whenever he wants. Finishing is incredible. He, yeah, I mean, his finishing's. I think he's taken that up a notch. He's always a phenomenal shooter, but I think just knowing that he's the guy right now, he's that spark plug, he's averaging 20 points a game. Uh, I think he, he has he has it in store if, if he wants to be, you know, second, first-team All-American. 100%, 100%. And with Thomas addressing earlier that he's working men's basketball, you're working women's. So talk a little bit about it. Yeah, so, um, like, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before, but I, I was blessed to be able to put on the women's basketball beat for the state news. And it's been a it's been a fun experience so far. We've kind of, like, re- I mean, really got things going. They had, you know, um, counting their first exhibition game, they have had they had five straight games inside the residence. So for a moment, I felt like I was living there between those games and the couple games I did with Thomas. So right. it felt like a second home to me for a moment there. But I've had a little bit of a break because um, they uh, just to go over, they went undefeated in their um, f- official four-game homestead. Um, went undefeated and amish- immediately moved on to Cancun. And that was kind of where they got to see... Uh, no, no disrespect to any team they played before, but a little bit of, of a different experience. It's the first road experience of the year, and you, um, seeing Creighton, they finished top twenty-five in the NCAA That's last good year. In, in the last two years, they've been to the Elite Eight, so you know they're they're definitely a, a growing program. And so MSU, like I said, not to disrespect any of the other teams, but they've got to face another uh, a real big dog and what and what uh, the NCAA's women's basketball is right now and. Big dogs is exactly what we kind of have in the Big Ten. You know, we got definitely quite a few teams right now in the top twenty-five. Iowa, obviously, being one of the big powerhouses. Caitlin Clark, you know, that's going to be a big matchup. Indiana is pretty, pretty. Indiana's up there. Ohio State, so you know that that's going to really get the girls prepared for what's going on. And then you see in the result to Creighton, they take their first L of the season, um, and you kind of get a little bit of a reality check there. I mean, the and, and and it's not anything to be bad or discouraged about. It's just. Um, if you ask Coach Robin Freilich, you know, as we enter the Robin Freilich era, she's been great so far, and she's continued to show consistency of where they need to get better. And she showed that after the loss to Creighton, she thinks that it's going to be an opportunity for them to really grow, see where they can compare up to some of these bigger teams and how it's going to play going so, going further. But playing against a team like Creighton, she, she, I mean, she commended them constantly for how good they are, and it shows just what are they going to be – What. The, the offense that we've been putting up this year, I mean, they currently lead the Big Ten. They're number one in offense. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've scored upwards of um, 90 in almost every game of the year, averaging just under 90 points of the season so far. That's crazy. Um, they are also leading the Big Ten in point differential uh, by a high number of 33. The next margin is going to be 27 points. Well, they've points. been winning games by 50, 60 oh, points. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, uh, they're scoring an average of 93.3 a uh, game. It's been absolutely insane. The defense is top five as well. So all, all around, they've looked really good. And that's why you really have to appreciate that loss to Creighton because that allows them to slow down a little bit and not take it all in at once. Um, overall, I've, I've seen really consistent play from multiple different people on the team. I think that the veterans, um, a little bit of a flip-flop from what's going on with men's basketball, have really been what's leading this team so far. Um, we've got a lot of new faces um, for sure, and there's even one that's a veteran that I would call a veteran player in basketball, just not for the Spartans. That's also helped leading the team in Jocelyn Tate. She's finally right, started yeah. to get comfortable after coming over from Bowling Green with Coach Freilich, and she's really been able to in, like embed herself, embed herself into this team and what they are. Julia Arol, she's had a couple monster games in their last couple showings. She had a double-double against Creighton, or I'm sorry, against James Madison, 25 and 15. The game before that, I'm pretty sure she had another double-digit rebound game. So she's been putting it all for the Spartans. Mo, Didi, they've both been very consistent. There's a couple things going on with Didi right now and also with uh, Issa, but, you know, we're going to figure mm-hmm. that stuff out. There hasn't been too many updates on that, but, we'll, you know, obviously when we know more, we'll figure that out. But, I mean, overall, like just like men's basketball, things are getting started, and there's definitely going to still have to be a lot of things that the team's going to show. 
but the offense is on fire right now, and you can only continue to ride that wave until I mean, I mean, until it becomes an issue. And as of right now, it's not an issue for them. They scored, they scored uh, below seventy in the against, game against Creighton. But like I said, um, Freilich mentioned this is a game that's a hard team to not have any prep for. They had no prep for them whatsoever. You go out to Mexico, so we'll give them that one. I I, I think they're a really good team going forward. Yeah, someone that stood out to me about about that team is they're just fun to watch right now. A hundred percent. I mean, they're. They're, they're essentially starting five guards. Yeah. And so when you have that, and obviously that's going to work against some of the teams that they've played. Yep. Um, like you said, no disrespect to them, but they're just not on the same level as the teams that they're going to face for the rest of the year. Right. So, I mean, that'll be that'll be intriguing to see how that plays out. You I mean, you got, uh, like you said, Julia starting basically at the five. Yeah. They kind of, they're kind of playing positionless basketball. But I've been really impressed with the style of play. Like, so fast-paced. It's 100. fun. Like I really, I genuinely enjoy watching that team play, and it's been, it's been. You can see the development in some of the younger, the younger girls, like Abby Kimball, and she's cracked, cracked the starting oh, lineup. There, yes. how like some of those guards are, I mean, like you can just tell that it, they love playing in that program, they love playing in that system, and they're here to stay. And I think Freilich's here to stay for a long time. I think she's a great basketball coach. She's got a, you know, that development pedigree everywhere she's went. She turned Bowling Green from a bottom feeder into yep. like conference powerhouse right. in like a matter of three or four years so it just to me it says a lot about not just her but also like what she brings to the team and they're just fun to watch in my opinion they they really they really catch are catching some people's eyes here on campus and i mean dd mo like you said are holding it down but i think it's it's the collective effort from everybody else that's that's really got them to to be in this position to start the season because i mean sometimes you you Bring in a new coach, and you know things just don't work out yep. at, at first. At first, then it takes some time. But you know, given the fact that they were playing some of those teams early on, I think that really helped them. I think yeah. Tom Izzo was probably looking at that, going, "Why didn't I do that?" <laughs> yeah. And I think that you know that's got to be something to consider if you're going to keep bringing in top five recruiting classes for men's basketball. Izzo, you know, don't schedule Duke, Arizona, and Tennessee <laughs> in the first five games of the season. Right. You know, like have some games where you can win by 50 points and play the freshman and get some experience under their yeah. belt have some games where you can sort of just tool with some things and an experiment because you know you're going out to play duke in early november in the champions yeah. classic you don't know you don't really have that good of a gauge on what your rotation is mm-hmm. duke does because they consistently year in and year out play seven or eight guys max right. Right. but when you're tom Izzo, especially this year and you got 11 guys capable of seeing the floor you know playing a game in Chicago top 15 matchup and on November 14th yeah and you just don't know where you're at as a squad and I think that that's hurt them that hurt them against Arizona and you know maybe that's something that he sees going forward I doubt it because he's infamous for I guess I shouldn't say infamous maybe famous Famous. (laughs) he's known for battle testing his squad early and I don't think that's going to change 100% and then just another point kind of two points you made there I mean it's it's something of, of a collective effort um, just for them to be able to quickly buy into the system of pos- positionless exactly. basketball that you're talking about for the women's basketball team. And, and, and just to point on that little funny point, I, t- I talked to Julia after their game against um, Evansville about doing the tip-offs and stuff like that. Right. And, I mean, like, she, I, I, you know, it was uh, slightly funny to her. I could tell that, you know, she definitely thought it was a little funny and a little goofy there. But, I mean, 
she was completely bought into it though you know she like she she took it as everything else she did in that basketball day and it was it, it was something serious that she wanted to go win and if i remember she did you know she's out there she's averaging just under i think she's at six six point eight rebounds on the season so far she's out there That's doing awesome. everything she can uh her uh fairly can mention her experience and just her willingness to do whatever they've asked her to do it's been amazing this year and then abby kimball you mentioned she, her breaking that starting lineup dude she's been she her her jump shot is flawless man it is so flawless like uh, she's got this nice little one two move into a jump shot and i mean like i've watched it just so many times this year just you know just her playing just this year and it's been amazing to see so far so the, the, like i said really exciting and you know you, like the to the last point you made you know they've definitely had time to definitely get their lineups comfortable and really buy in to this system that Felix building over here and i and i couldn't agree with you more she's great for the program 100 percent yeah, and with working at the Breslin and being able to see it from that perspective as well, it was the weekend of the, uh, I think November 19th, I think that was the exact day, I worked a double shift to where it was, I think, women's, then men's first, and each team blew an opponent out by, like, Alcorn State 30, the men's, yeah. and then and of women's by, like, 20-something, and with the men's, I don't know uh, who this guy name is, but it's the dark-skinned guy with locks. He had a two-hand dunk on somebody. I'm like, the whole arena blew up. I'm sitting there like, wow. I was genuinely impressed with both teams. And y'all made great points, too, as far as um, early in the season, you know, getting that confidence and being uh, ready to have be battle-tested for teams like Duke and stuff. And I had a question. You mentioned, like, Tom Izzo, like, picking the schedule. Do, you, do they have control over that? Yeah, they do. Wow, and I never I think, knew that. I mean, if you look at – you know, some of these, like, pretty much every single one of these games, they're sort of intentionally scheduled. Hmm. Like, a lot of these a lot of these teams, like Southern Indiana and James Madison, you know, you have somebody, you know, whether it's Izzo or somebody else on the MSU staff, knows somebody for one of those teams, and they schedule. Like, all of these non-conference games, I would say outside of maybe the Duke game, because that's, like, a yearly scheduled event. The Champions Classic is four teams, Kansas, mm-hmm. Kentucky, Michigan State, and Duke, and they just kind of kind of rotate who they play each year out of those four teams hmm. but i would say every other game than that it's very very deliberate hmm. i mean Izzo loves to play those kind of games early on in the season because then come march you know you've seen it all hmm. and you know he demonstrated that when he scheduled an exhibition game you know a game that doesn't even count against the number seven team in the country hmm. in, in tennessee granted it was for a great cause the, the, the maui fire relief efforts but that just kind of goes to show you he's willing to do whatever it takes to schedule those kind of games early on. Right. And just to kind of answer your question, like, yes, I mean, they have complete control over that. Mm. Um, the Butler game was part of a little invitational between the Big Ten and Big East. But all these games that you see, I mean, Michigan State goes to Little Caesars in, in Detroit in a few weeks to play Baylor. That was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised Baylor agreed to that, by the way. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I, you, wouldn't you want to come to the Breslin Center? You would think so, right? But uh, hey, if you want to go play at OCA for that game, I you know, I, I can't be mad at you for I'm it. I'm hoping to go to that. That oh, should yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah, it would definitely be a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah just to answer your question, yes, they, they schedule those games themselves. I mean, Tom Enzo's been doing this for a long time, so I can imagine there's a lot of strategy and thought process that goes into that. And 29 seasons. I mean, <laughs> once you do something for 30 years, you might know what you're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this. Yeah, one. but yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, they're kind of they're kind of seeing they're kind of seeing the the downsides of it. I mean, they began the year number four in the country, mm-hmm. and then 
you know, you lose a game to James Madison, who's now the number, I think, 17 team in the country. Yep. Like, James Madison came out of nowhere and beat Michigan State, and now they're, like, regarded as a team that might go undefeated right. this season because they beat, the, they beat the only three teams, the only three high major teams on their schedule to begin the year, and now they just play conference games for us the year. Right. So that one was kind of a shock. But you think about that game, it went to overtime. It shouldn't have, have even gone into overtime. No. James Madison had a couple buckets laid to, to send it into OT. And Michigan State missed 17 free throws and 19 three-pointers that yeah. game. They shot one for 20 from three, mm. 23 for 40 from the free throw line. Jesus. And, <laughs> it, and even and even so, they, like, they should have won the game. Yeah. So, I mean, you win that game, you're sitting at five and two now things feel a lot different with just losses to duke and arizona you know michigan state would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to 25 in Mm -hmm. the rankings but you know they started number four in the country yeah uh and now they're unranked and i it kind of reminds me of a few years ago i mean i think 20 the 2019 to 2020 season the year after the we went the year after michigan state went to the final four and beat duke in the elite eight they were number one to start the year yeah and it was the fastest a team has ever gone from number one to unranked yeah. ever. I think they were unranked by like either late December or early January. Mm. And it was just like, wow. Like that kind of reminds me of this year in the sense that there was so much hype around this team yeah. in the offseason. You know, you had a team that beat Marquette, you returned four starters, plus Malik Hall, who didn't even start on that team last year. Right. And a top five recruiting class with some freak athletes. And. You know, it's like, how could this not be a recipe for success? For success? But you know, I, th- I think part of the problem is when there's too many guys. Yeah. I mean, Izzo's constantly subbing and subbing and subbing. And he said last night after the win against Georgia Southern that that, that playing group is going to shrink. You know, he said some of the freshmen aren't ready to play. I think he was referencing uh, particularly Xavier Booker. Mm. Um, you know, he's just constantly said that, you know, his, his motor's got to be higher. He's got to be more aggressive. He's got to be more intense. And from what I can see, I agree. I mean, Cohen Carr and Jeremy Fears, you like you can't keep those guys off the floor. But I think right now they can afford to keep Xavier Booker off the floor, and especially when Jackson Kohler comes back, sophomore center, who's argue I wouldn't say even arguably he is Michigan State's best offensive big. Mm. You know Xavier Booker's gonna play maybe eight ten minutes a game. Yeah, and that was a guy who was a top fifteen recruit in the country mm-hmm. just based on pure potential. I mean he went from unranked to a five star. Yeah, because he's six eleven. And like a seven foot four wingspan. Yeah, the mm. wingspan. So it's just, and I think that in, in in his defense, I think that he's a really good, like basketball savant. Like Izzo constantly talks about how him and his parents know what he has to do. Whereas I think nowadays, a lot of times you'll see the, some of these recruits just be divas and just go one and done no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Like I said before this year, like Xavier Booker could not play a minute this year and probably get drafted in the first round. And I, like as of right now, I don't think he's going to go to the NBA draft just okay. because he knows that he needs to take that he needs to to contribute at a certain level in college before he goes to the NBA. Yeah, and according to Izzo, his parents are the same way, and I think nowadays parents get in the way a lot. We've seen that you know over the past some of the few years. I mean, if you remember Max Christie, yeah, there was it was reported that his parents were the ones who. You know, kind of pulled him out of Michigan State. Said you're, you're, you're like you're going to the draft. Right. Christie was kind of up in the air about whether he's going to stay or not. His parents said, "No, you're going to the draft." Mm. And I don't think that that's the case with Booker. So I think it's going to be a, a process with him. And I think Izzo thinks that too. 
Yeah, and then just to mention one more thing about you were mentioning about like the whole games things. I don't want to go on a too tangent, but like Izzo also, you know, he, he does it justice by like giving certain schools an opportunity with some of these early games, like the James Madison game you mentioned. But then you also mentioned how they can be detrimental when you lose a game like that and it becomes... Well, I mean, you're paying a school hundreds of thousands of dollars to beat you yeah. on your home opener yeah. as the number four team in the country. And that's you not see a good how look. it can shake everything up yeah. and what it looks like. You know, I, you know, you give them an opportunity regardless just become, being able to come and play you know, at the present play against a school. That's the opportunity that you're really looking to give the team. You're not looking to give them the opportunity to come in there and right. steal the light right from under hey, you. James Madison's a great basketball yeah. team. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. And I think it's, it's funny that that they're getting the recognition that they're deserving right now. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen everything that's going on on Twitter, but they got their yeah. bowl game, that, and they're I mean they're they're going to their bowl game. Today. I mean, and, the, and it's a great it's a great um uh, it's, uh, it's a great culture for them. I, I love what's going on over right. there. Like, I, I have no bitterness towards it whatsoever. It's definitely nice to see. The best case scenario for Michigan State is that James Madison doesn't lose a game for the rest of the year. Yeah, and yeah. they're like a top fifteen team come March, <laughs> and all of a sudden that loss doesn't like really mean anything. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. as things stand, Michigan State's lost to three top twenty teams. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to get some, some chances to get those back. I mean, Baylor's, Baylor's ranked number nine right now. That game's in, you know, T-minus three weeks. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Big Ten. You got Illinois. See how Wisconsin does. They've looked, you know, better than a lot of people expected this mm-hmm. year. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Like I said, Illinois twice. You got Purdue on the road. You know, there's no almost no chance Michigan State wins that game. I mean, Mackey Arena has been a house of horrors for yes, the Spartans it's been in terrible. the past, like, I feel like 15 years. I mean, when was the last time you saw Michigan State go into West Lafayette and beat mm-hmm. Purdue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been rough. I um, haven't enjoyed that streak at all. And <laughs> it's, you know, it's a tough place to play. And you know, and you know, I don't usually have a big disdain for players, but I just don't want to see Edie win. I'm so tired of seeing that guy dunk the basketball. It, 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 it hurts my soul. It truly hurts. Yeah, I mean... When, you, when it comes to that guy, you just you just gotta you just gotta think to yourself like like where do we go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> you know like where do we go wrong? Where you know a guy like that can't go to the NBA because of how much different the NBA is than his game. I yeah. mean, ten years ago he would have dominated in the in the NBA, yeah. and now he would be a non-factor because he can't move his feet and he's not very quick. Yeah, and he would just get dominated on offense. But yeah. like. Yeah, like twenty years ago, he'd be the best part in that. No, game. yeah, I mean, he, he twenty years ago, he he wouldn't be at Purdue if he was at Purdue. He'd have played one year at Purdue, and he'd have like, I mean, like, come on, no, I don't, I don't even know if he gets drafted. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, which I is, mean, which is insane. Four years, you know, like four years now in colleges, it's like you know, usually uh, it becomes like a really big toss up at that point. But I, I would be on the side of I, I doubt that he gets drafted too. It's just like, where does he fit in the game? I mean, he's seven four and. <laughs> A national player of the year, and he's might win it again this year. He might win two straight national player of the years and not get drafted wow. at seven feet four. Yeah, but can, I mean, you know, he's seven foot four, and can he guard a guy like? Uh, ooh, don't, I mean, can he guard a guy like Chet, or can he guard? Is a guy he guarding like, Wimbiama? I don't know if he could guard a single center in the NBA. Yeah, one on one. I mean, think about yeah, think about what Jokic would do to that guy. Dude, I mean, like even someone like Aiden, he just it would be yeah. so much more mobile than he could ever be. It'd be like child's play. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's 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 a funny transition we see in the game. All right, Zach Eady ran over, <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine with going from number four in the country to not even ranked, it's some growing pains that's happening. And I even remember us having an episode where it was in our heads, it was like Elite Eight, Final Four, or bust, and now oh, Final with, Four or bust, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And now with them 
um, getting these early losses and getting kind of that wake-up call that you mentioned even the women's basketball team got when they went to Cancun, I feel like it can make them better. With the potential on that team, I mean, I saw it firsthand. Like, they got potential to be big. So I feel like they go take those losses on the chin and move forward. And you guys mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, the women's basketball team has a new coach. Yep. And seems like new coaches is in the air with uh, MSU sports. If we can transition to MSU football, new football coach. It's been a crazy year with MSU football. A lot of players going in the transfer portal, new coach. I think he even spoke in one of the basketball games, if I'm not mistaken. Last Jonathan, night. Last night. that was last night. Okay, yeah, cool. So, so he he went to the basketball game, and his, his, his introductory press conference was yesterday at noon. Okay. And it was a big deal. You know, a lot of people went. A lot of our friends went yep. to cover it. Um, there was like a crowd. Like he walked into the Breslin Center lobby, and there was the cheerleader. There was the, yeah, the, the, the Spirit the Squad. Team. Yeah, the band that. was there. That. They're playing the fight song. Like they had the MSU cookies there. They had the MSU cookies. I've seen. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So it was, it was, a, it was a good day for Jonathan Smith. Yeah, and I think it was a good day for Michigan State. It was a day. It was a day of celebration. I think a lot of people like what he's going to bring. I. I'm not sold on whether or not he's going to bring Michigan State back to where it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, all things considered, it's a major upgrade. Oh, yeah. He's going to bring some guys in. There's no doubt about that. It's just how do you compete? How do you stack up in now the most loaded conference like in history? Yep. Because mm-hmm. you got Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC, all who are like high-octane offense. Yeah. And coming to the Big Ten. He knows. Yeah, he knows. And it's just, it's interesting because he went from one conference playing those guys, and now he moves across the country. And he's still coach, playing those guys. And he's still playing those guys. And so I think that that's kind of, like, that irony That irony is rich. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just not sold on whether or not Michigan State's going to be back in that conversation for a while. I mm. mean, the past few years have been really, really hurtful to that. Because Michigan, like there was Michigan State had the opportunity to make it their era. Yeah, they did. When they beat Michigan, it was an undefeated match. Mel right. Tucker's second year, they yeah. were seven and zero. Michigan was seven and zero. Michigan State beats Michigan in, in East Lansing. They had the opportunity to go win the Big Ten championship, go to the College Football Playoff, and say this is our era. Mm. And as it as it happened, they lost to Purdue the next week, and they lost to Ohio State by fifty the yep. week after. Yeah. And if they had just lost to Ohio State, they'd be playing the Big Ten championship, and they'd be at Purdue. And they would have gone to the college football playoff had they beat, I think it was Iowa that year. Yeah. And that could have been the dawn of Michigan State's era, and it wasn't. And said Michigan went, Michigan beat Ohio State, they went to the college football playoff, and it was all of a sudden their era. And I think that, that was a really big swing of things. You know, Michigan State went 11-2 and under Mel Tucker, and it just was completely downhill from there. Yep. You know, fall with a 5-7 and seven season, and then, you know, he – they came out and they won two games this year. Didn't look good in either of them. Yeah. And then the night, the night of our second win, that Saturday night was when the news came out about about Tucker. Yeah. And ever since, it's just been a complete disaster. I mean, you go out and you lose to Washington by fifty. You lose to all these teams just embarrassingly. Like Michigan State lost probably three or four games that they should have won yeah. this year easily. Just because. Not easily, but. I mean, you think about it, the Iowa game, they easily should have won. Yeah. Rutgers game, no doubt they should have won. Yeah. Like, some of these games, it's just, it hurts because they could have been a five or six win team, but they weren't. You know, they were three. How many, how many games they won? Three games? Three games. Three games. So, no, they won four. 
They won four. They did. Indiana Central. and Nebraska. Oh, yeah, they did beat Nebraska. That's right. That's Celebrating they did beat over the four wins here. That's, that is correct. But I think that the ceiling for Jonathan Smith in year one should be probably six wins, mm-hmm. which kind of just shows you where, like, the state of the program is at. Like, you know, get over six wins, that's a success. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the year after we won 11 games and won the Peach Bowl, like, it was, like, basically the playoff. Or it was basically a Big Ten championship or bust, and we went five and seven. And so I think that, that that really hurt, and it's going to take some time to rebuild that. Yeah, I can imagine it's going to be pretty difficult. Is there any insight on the guy as far as, like, where um, he came from or his style of play, anything? Yeah, I mean, um, so I, I can kind of give you a little bit of insight on him, you know, uh, and, and I'll mention a little bit more about what I know about him here. But, like, it's just uh, I, I want to start by saying I am slightly saddened to say, like, by the Harlan, uh, Harlan. It's not anything that I think he's. Gonna, I think he's going to stay. Is he going to stay along his staff? I didn't see anything. Well, he that said was... he. He said he intends to stay. Okay, but he's going to look for other head coaching opportunities. Well, I would be sad to see him completely go. You know, just and it's not even just completely about the game. It's just you know, obviously everything. And Thomas, you mentioned the state of the team and everything that's happened this year. I'm not exactly saying it wasn't a fair shot, but it's just you know you you have a lot to take over just in a year like that. So I I, I was I would definitely be sad to see him go, but at the same time you know if he goes and finds another head coaching opportunity, hey cheers to him you know I obviously am with everybody going in for the best opportunities they can. So we'll see how that plays out. But moving on, I just I, I do really like the Piccolo Jonathan Smith. It's not like you said, Thomas. I don't think that it's going to be any major game changer, especially with. What the Big Ten's about to I mean, become. Yeah, you, you, you become a nine a nine win team year in and year out. Things are starting to look up. You know, maybe some changes here and here or there. You yeah, get, you get a recruit or two, and then you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, and and that's exactly kind of what we've seen from Jonathan Smith before. You know, starting off at Oregon, uh, at Oregon State, he in the very beginning, um, he's coming to a team that's start, what one eleven when he gets hired, and over the first three years, I mean, like it, it doesn't show a huge improvement. He ends up going out, I'd say. Three for twenty-two in his first three years, but you also kind of got to throw in the COVID factor in there because the season short. I mean, it was just a bad program. Yeah, and, and even then, the next two years after that, two back-to-back bowl games. One of them they win. He ends up leading the team to a ten and two year. Be, they, the end, they beat Oregon a couple times. So it's it's it, he is going to be the type of guy that is going to be able to at least help help what MSU is about to go through. Absolutely, and that's going to be the rebuild, you know and. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, everyone knew the rebuild process was going, but it it, it looked terrifying for what was going to happen for the school. And these past couple of days, we've obviously... I think it still looks terrifying. It definitely still looked terrifying, but you can start to see just the little inklings of a little bit of a light coming at, at, at for MSU a couple years down the road with a coach like Jonathan Smith. So like I, I just definitely appreciate the, the pickup for him. I think that he's exactly the kind of guy that MSU needs right now. You mentioned the entourage of what was happening. I've seen a bunch of things on social media. Like I said, whenever they bring out the MSU cookies, you know, there's some type of event really going <laughs> on here on campus. So, uh, I mean, it was just it was really nice to see what happened. It was nice to see that he bring his family and everything around for the press conference and to see that, you know, he's going to get fully involved. You know, he, he knows what he's coming into. You mentioned, Thomas, I, I'm not a I, – I, I, of course, I enjoy some Pac-12 football, but I, I wasn't following his career around. But he knows what's coming over on this side of the, uh, on this side of the Big Ten. So it, it, it's nothing that he he's not going to yeah. not be used to. It's just he's not going to be used to it with this team for now. It, it's going to take some time. I mean, yeah, DJ Uyunglele saw enough in him to, to go. I mean, he was a former. What was he? He would, he might have been a top five QB in his class. Yeah, and he saw. I mean, he went to Clemson. Things just didn't work out. 
I don't necessarily think that that was his fault mm. as much as it was other things at Clemson. And that was at a time where he was coming in for Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Lawrence went through, he got COVID that year, mm. and Uyunglele was, like, their quarterback for a little bit. Right. Like, he, like this, is, this is Trevor Lawrence's, like, he's, he, he's the heir to the throne. Right. And it just didn't work out. But he saw enough in Jonathan Smith. He saw enough in that system, which – Jonathan Smith is bringing over, I mean, tight ends coach, yeah. running backs coach, yeah. likely the offensive coordinator, though it's not confirmed, D-backs coach, like, he's bringing, chief of staff, like, he's bringing the enti- almost his entire unit from Oregon State yeah. over to Michigan State. Like, he, he has been clear in his intentions to, like, just completely transplant that program and those like values and morals over to East Lansing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that kind of speaks volumes to me, you know, like he knows, he knows what's going to work and he knows that that's the way to go rather than just sort of, you know, finding his own way. Like he's not really experimenting. Mm -hmm. He's coming in and he's saying, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we've done it. And it's going to work. Yeah. But I just think it says a lot that like a guy like a young went there and had success He's not happy, by the way. I've seen on Twitter him and his dad have been lighting up Jonathan Smith. Yeah, as uh, have most of the or- as has most of the more Oregon State fan base yeah, and community. Oregon State's completely shooken up right now. I, I know they're in shambles. Well, they just hired their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they promoted him to head coach, and I think that it was a major win for Michigan State that they didn't get their defensive coordinator because yeah. I saw a lot of things about how he wasn't he was no good and right. and all that and I. Honest, honestly, I've seen similar things with the offense coordinator. Mm. Um, so I guess we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if he ends up in, in East Lansing. But I really like the fact that they brought the tight ends coach, Brian Wozniak, over. Because yeah. the one downside, I guess the one major downside that we can see right now with Smith is that he has zero ties to the Midwest. Yes. Yeah, like, I think that. one of the questions asked at the press conference yesterday was, you know, I think you're the first or you're the second coach in a hundred years of Michigan State football who is like not affiliated with the program at all. Like every single coach has in, had ties to Michigan State in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Brian Wozniak played tight end for Wisconsin and played in the NFL, and uh, I believe the D-backs coach he also played in the NFL. Okay, also played in the NFL. I think he played in the NFL and was. I think he was drafted by the Lions. Okay. Yeah, and was the coach for Miami for a while, the Dolphins. So those things, two things are big, to have guys with those ties. Mm-hmm. And Brian Wozniak, I mean, he turned Luke Musgrave into a, a you know, NFL draft pick last right. year. Right, right. And that, you know, he's on the Packers. He's doing decent. Yeah. But I think I've seen a lot of praise about Brian Wozniak, and that's big to have a guy who can recruit in the area, like, Midwest recruiting is everything right now. I mean, yes. you're competing with Michigan, you're competing with Ohio State, you're competing with all these other schools that have been drastically better than Michigan State in that mm-hmm. category, and that needs to change if they want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, I know you said it was asked at the conference yesterday. I think I seen one of the sound bites from it. Of just Jonathan Smith saying that he was completely excited. Like that was one of the most things he's excited for, just to start really diving into making Midwest. He said the word "dive" probably twenty-seven <laughs> times in that press conference. Yeah, get the man some flippers. Hey, get him some <laughs> flippers. That's what he's about to do, you know. And we and we got to see him. So you know, I'm with the dive, John. Dive going to the, man. He's going to the deep water. Hey, let's do. Hey, hey, swim hey, with the, the sharks. End. He's going <laughs> to the deep end. So no, yeah, that's it's, it's going to be a great opportunity the school you know it's definitely going to be a process you know i'm not expecting any major expectations for next year or any huge change of outcomes but 
It's going to be a slow process for sure. It's going to be an, it's, it should be a decent one for the school for sure. Yeah, I mean, with what MSU football has gone through, it can only be a step forward. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you can step any more backwards. And it's exciting. I mean, if he's uh, loved by the fan base, not counting the Oregon fan base, but if he's loved by the MSU fan base and he knows what he's getting into, then, like I said, it's only so much down you can go before you have a straight path and to know what to do to try and move forward. So, right. yeah. Well, as we know, if you want to be loved by the Michigan State fan base, you got to win. Yeah, That's I mean, the truth. Yeah. So as long as you take care of that, I mean, like you said, about like six wins would be at least like the thing to shoot for. But, I mean, yeah, absolutely. three is not the largest number to improve from. So we'll see what he does. But with that being said, do you guys any, have anything else on your mind I want to mention at all? One more thing on that. I The most interesting thing that I think I read on the whole ordeal was Alan Haller, Alan Haller the athletic director. Mm-hmm. He said something along the lines of, like I, I understand, I, I understood that this was that this will be the last, like, this will be my last Michigan State head football coach hire. Like, he, like he's looking for the guy for the next twenty years. Right. I mean, in in his mind, Jonathan Smith is going to be the coach here for the next 20, 30 years. He's a, a relatively young guy. He has experience on both levels, collegiate and professional, mm-hmm. and like. That to me stood out was that like this, like this to Alan Haller is his legacy is this hire because he was the guy who essentially brought aboard Mel Tucker, mm-hmm. and we we'll we all saw how that worked out. So like I think that his career, Haller, and he thinks this too, mm-hmm. based on what what he says. Mm-hmm. He, I think that I think and he thinks that this this hire will define his time at Michigan State. It'll totally. define his legacy. Totally. And you can't take away what, what else he's done. I mean, he's hired Adam Nightingale, yeah. Leah Johnson, yeah. Robin Fralick, like yeah. all these up-and-coming coaches that Jeff Hosler, I, I mean, can't, I can't believe I left him out. That guy's incredible right? Um, for the, 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 the ladies' soccer team. Okay. All these young, these young coaches that are just rise, they're elevating the programs day by day. But... As we know, football is football. Mm-hmm. Winning football games can solve a lot of problems for university. Yeah. yeah. And with everything that's going on at Michigan State right now, I think that there's nothing a 12-win football – like, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but, like, if Michigan State were to win 12 games next year, I think you would see a lot of resolve in other areas of the, of the university. Mm-hmm. Like, winning football games solves a lot of problems that are – could be completely unrelated to football. That's my last thought. Immediately. Yeah, I've seen the impact of just how much this community loves sports. Like, I was working at the Breslin, and they were telling me, like, yeah, thank you all guys for coming. A lot of the staff is students today because the other half of our staff is going to the hockey game to work or watch yeah. it. And I'm like, wow. Like, And people, some of the older security guards next to me or some of the older workers were leaving, like, yeah, I'm about to go to the hockey game. You know, was, I'm like, that wow. That was when they were playing the number one team in the country, Wisconsin. And they and didn't they beat them twice? Beat them twice. That's in, incredible. In a row. And so I think, <laughs> I think what are they, seven? Eight, yeah, I think there's seven in one poll, eight in the, in the other poll. Yeah, so like, they're on fire. If the season ended today, they would be a mid seed in middle seed in the the, the tournament, which is 16 teams. I mean, yeah. it's like the smallest, most out of whack like selection. <laughs> yeah. Postseason, like collegiate postseason that you've ever seen. I mean, it's a 16 team field. Right. Michigan State barely missed it last year. I think they were like 18 or 19. Uh-huh. And you know, at that, like, they would have to. Someone would have to happen for them not to make it this year. Like they'd have to have some injuries because they're playing 
incredible phenomenal hockey. right now. Phenomenal. Incredible hockey. I, I, I'm actually pretty disappointed. I haven't been able to get in there as much as I've wanted to, man. You know, like even Tom Mizzle has been talking about it. You know, he's like, <laughs> what, what, what do you say the other day? He's like, we're a hockey school. We're a soccer <laughs> school now. So, I mean, it's exciting, dude. It's been super exciting. I definitely, uh, I think, like I said, I was talking to Thomas about this off, off the show. Um, I'll be able to do my first uh, uh, story for them on December 9th, and I'm going to get to check out that oh, wow. experience for sure, dude. I can't, I can't wait fun. to go do that. It's going to be fun. I can imagine that's going to be dope. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, it feels great to be back. We're going to try and uh, work some scheduled things out to where we can get more consistent episodes for the holiday season. And you never know. Maybe we may be a best present under the tree this year. Who knows? But with that being said, appreciate you all for taking a seat with us. Appreciate you two again for making time and making sure we uh, have this comeback moment. And, yeah, you guys want to end it off with anything? Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, we love you guys. We just love the game, too, you know. And, and, and we just love the game. You know, we got to be there. How are we gonna get? How are we gonna have the information for you guys if we don't show up to the games? But definitely hopefully, we can definitely figure out some scheduling. We're definitely excited to be. We're back. married to the grind. Married <laughs> to the grind. See you guys later, man.